Hey there, welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast, a space to talk about all things life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. My name is Elizabeth. I am an international fertility coach, ICF certified life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. Join us as we support the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your new baby home and everything along the way. See you in the episode. everyone and welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today we have Lauren Lobley here who is writer, mama, chef, and host of the Mom Feed podcast. So we are so excited to have her here today. She is going to talk to us about seed cycling, which Honestly, I have heard of a lot of things, but before she and I spoke, I had not heard of this. So I'm so excited to hear something new that can help some of you out there look at a different way of trying to conceive. So tell us a little bit about that and how you came about that, first of all, and your experience with it. Sure. Well, let me preface this by saying I am not an expert in seed cycling. Uh, My doctor is the one who uh, recommended that I do it and I'll get into why in a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm well versed in seed cycling, but I'm not an expert in it. So I'm going to share my experience and what I know from my research and my own, my personal experience. So let me just preface it with that. And then I'll probably, I'm happy to share with you the um, handout that I got from my doctor and a, a blog post I did on seed cycling where you can get all sorts of other resources. So you'll okay. definitely walk away armed with lots of resources and my take on it. Awesome. And some people actually say an expert is just 10%, knowing 10% more than the next person. And I will say, compared to me, knowing nothing about this, you are the expert <laughs> and you had the experience. So there's a lot yeah. to be said for doing it yourself. Right. And right. going through it. So, yeah. And I actually, uh, coached 30 other women through it too. And I'll get, I'll get into okay, that. Well, there you have it. Lauren. <laughs> you are an expert, right? I mean, <laughs> let's use the term loosely, but yes. So, so I was introduced to seed cycling. Let's start with what it is. So yes. it's, a, it's an ancient practice. It's roots. I, actually don't know. And every time I've tried to look it up, there's no real answer. Nobody really knows if it was like Ayurvedic or or where it came from. I'm sure there's an answer. I just don't know what it is. So seed cycling is a way to use, um, seeds that during a certain part of the month will promote the production of estrogen. And during another part of the month will promote the production of um, progesterone. And as we know, you need estrogen to get pregnant, but you need progesterone to stay pregnant. So for a lot and interrupt me anytime. And just to clarify seeds, meaning like pumpkins, like real seeds that you ingest for anybody who's listening, like not seeds that are outside in the ground. So yes, but no, (laughs) seeds that you are actually going to digest in order to Yes. Your body to, to do this estrogen and progesterone type cycle. Exactly. And specifically the estrogen, estrogen producing seeds are chia, pumpkin, and flax. Mm-hmm. So you're probably already using these mm-hmm. and the progesterone ones are sunflower seeds and sesame seeds. So for anybody listening, who's like, I'm allergic to some of those. 
it's fine. Like if you're allergic to flax, then don't do the flax, just do the pumpkin and the chia. If you're allergic to all of like, just use one. And if you're not, well then, then seasonal cleansing is not for you. Cause I don't want you to do this. If you're allergic to that. Yeah. But if you're not allergic to it, or if you're allergic to just one, it's fine to just okay. add more of the other. And so what I was finding, so a lot of, not a lot, some women have no trouble getting pregnant but they have trouble staying pregnant. And that is a strong indication that you're um, estrogen dominant and that you're not producing enough progesterone. And that was what was happening for me when we were trying to conceive our second child. So my first child, I was actually told in my twenties that I wasn't going to probably not going to be able to have kids um, because of an infection that I had. And my gyno and I could never, we'd never figured out what it was. It just eventually went away after throwing a bunch of different antibiotics at it. And there was so much scarring in the fallopian tubes that she was, she just said, I just don't know if you're going to be able to have kids. You'll know when you try. So I kind of went into before things got serious with my husband, I told him this and he was very sweet. And he said, well, I feel like if a soul is meant to find its way into the world, it will find a way. And I was very sweet. I was like, well, that's very sweet, but let's think practically here. I hadn't, um, I hadn't come to my, uh, uh, days of positive feedback yet, I guess you could say. Um, so when we started trying for my first, we got pregnant right away. And I didn't know that we went to Peru. I had lots of, uh, I indulged in a lot of the local fair and exactly. And found out I was pregnant and I like, I could not believe it. So, um, and then two and a half years later, we started trying to have my son. He exists now, but he did not then. Um, and it was six months of trying and I, had two chemical pregnancies and, you know, you know, when you're pregnant, like you just know. And, um, so I couldn't figure out what was going on and I was having trouble sleeping at night and I was having night sweats. So my functional medicine doctor, she's an MD, but she's a functional medicine doctor. So she's all about finding the root cause and treating the root cause instead of just treating the symptoms. And she said, well, why don't you try seed cycling? said, what is that? So she explained it to me. So what you do with seed cycling is you either go according to the lunar cycle or to your current cycle. So the lunar cycle in a perfect world, according to seed cycling, you want to be ovulating on the full moon so that you, that's when you're apparently most fertile Mm -hmm. and then you want to bleed on the new moon. And so from the new moon, then from the new moon to the full moon is when you want to be produced, uh, ingesting, um, estrogen dominant seeds. So pumpkin, chia, flax, a tablespoon of each one per day, ground up, not cooked. So throw them in a smoothie, throw them on a salad, uh, you know, use them to crust a chicken or fish or whatever. Okay. Um, I actually expected it to be way more than that, like five tablespoons of each a day or whatever. Oh no. It's very, very simple. And then from the full moon where you'd ideally want to be getting pregnant to the new moon. So you want higher progesterone. That's when you do a tablespoon of sesame seeds and a tablespoon of sunflower seeds every day in a smoothie. So I thought, okay. I mean, what do I have to lose? Uh, sure. I'll try it. So I tried it and I've never, ever had a regular period in my life ever, Hmm. ever, 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 ever. And at that point I was like 35, I want to say, 
within 10 days of seed cycling, I was supposed to get my period and I didn't get it. That was very normal. Eight days later, I got my period and I looked at the calendar and it was the first day of the new moon. I was like, well, that's weird. (laughs) And then, so I just kept doing it and I had ovulation sticks because we've been trying to get pregnant for so long. I tested, I uh, did the kit. My first day of ovulation was the full moon. Thought, well, that is, that's gotta be just a coincidence. Yeah. Next month, same thing. It literally started the bleed on the new moon and ovulated on the full moon. Third month, same thing. So I thought, okay, well, there is something to this. My night sweats went away. I started sleeping through the night again. It was just, it was absolutely like, I, I didn't believe it. And And had you had your blood work done prior to this to know like where your progesterone estrogen were? I hadn't yet. That was going to be the next step. But my functional medicine doctor was like, well, let's just try this first and see what happens. Okay. So by the fourth month I was pregnant. And so I don't, I I don't know, right. Like if it was going to keep working, I, I assume that it was, but, um, I was pregnant. So I couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell you if it was. So that was absolutely mind blowing for me. And then that's when I actually started doing more research into it. Cause before I had just taken my, my doctor's word for it. Mm -hmm. And then I started seeing a lot of anecdotal evidence of women using this to regulate periods, to help with fertility, to help just regulate hormones in general for night Mm -hmm. sweats. There was a little bit on endometriosis though. That one has evaded a lot of, of people. So, um, yeah, so that's how it worked for me. And so now being postpartum mm-hmm. a couple of years, right. I, how old is your youngest? Uh, my youngest is 21 months. Yeah. yeah. So are your cycles regular now after, do you still do any seed cycling to maintain your, your cycles and hormones and stuff? I wasn't doing it. But then I was getting really bad night sweats, mm-hmm. like for eight days leading up to my period mm-hmm. and, um, and like throughout the whole period. And then for like a day after, so like a good half of the month, I was mm-hmm. having night sweats and I wasn't sleeping well, I wasn't sleeping well. Cause my son still doesn't sleep through the night. So that didn't change, but I did start seed cycling again and the night sweats went away. It took okay. two months. I'm definitely trying it because yeah. I'm in the night sweat period of like during my cycle and I never had them before. So I think part of that's like, I'm getting into menopause, which is insane Mm -hmm. to say, considering you feel like I just had a baby, but then on the other side, it's like, I am 45. So it's clearly coming. Um, but you know, that's a signal of hormone imbalance. Right. And so I definitely want to try something natural before I go down the road of taking any sort of, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever it may be, there's so much out there right now for hormone replacement and stuff, but I would love to, to start trying this as well as yes, my periods are regular, but you know, compared to what you're saying, my, I'm ovulating on the new moon versus mm-hmm. the other way around. So yeah. I'm super curious to see, like, if you are on that regular cycle, I wonder if that would shift like mm-hmm. over time to be like, you know, eventually you're kind of on track with the moon cycles as well. Yeah. I mean, so I, because I'm a chef before I was, Mm -hmm. um, doing my podcast, I 
catered and did private cooking and I have two cookbooks and I, my friend who was my doctor, um, I said, you know, if we, her name is Dr. DeSilvia, she's in West LA, if anybody is interested. Um, I said, are you finding that women are actually, you know, doing what you're telling them to do with the seed Mm -hmm. cycling? And she said, well, yes and no, people just find it really inconvenient to throw the seeds in their smoothies every day. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, what if I made some kind of cookie or ball or bar or something Mm -hmm. that you could sell in the office that are seed cycling for people to just pop in their mouth every day? She said, please do that. Amazing. So, yeah. So I, um, I recruited about 30 women to test it out because I wanted to test the efficacy because yeah. it had to be raw and ground up, but I wanted to see like, Oh, if I bake something at a low temperature, would it still have the same mm-hmm. effect? I didn't want to mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. you know, make any false claims with mm-hmm. the, um, cookies and, and treats that I was making. So I recruited 30 women and I sent them all. This was when I was pregnant with my son. I literally stood in the kitchen packaging baggies, individual baggies of the seeds for their 30 day period and uh-huh. shipped them out across the U S. Uh-huh. Um, so for the first two, for the first month, I, I wanted a three month test period. So for the first month, I just gave them the seeds to see if it started making a difference. And then I started to give them the actual treats to see if it was still going to have the same effect. And uh-huh. thankfully they did. Um, and what was interesting is I would get people saying, I have to stop my, I'm getting horrible cramps. I have uh, had other people say, I have to stop. My acne is acting up. Other people were like, it's not affecting me. Other people said, oh my gosh, my period is regular again. I'm not getting night sweats. I mean, there was like across the board. So one thing I knew for sure was the seeds were having an effect. So that was the other something was happening. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. that for me was a good sign. And then I talked to my Mm -hmm. doctor about, I said, what's going on? She said, well, oftentimes what happens is when we start to peel back the layers of our health, it like by taking the pressure off that hormonal system, it started to reveal where things were out of balance Mm -hmm. and that's what was happening. So she was saying like for anybody having adverse reactions, that's when you want to start working with a naturopathic or a functional medicine doctor. I mean, a regular MD too, if they're you know, open to this, you know, peeling back the layers because that's what happens. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like when you start a, somebody starts to eat plant-based, for example, a lot of the time it's met with bloating and brain fog and acne and other skin stuff, because your body is starting to detox things out. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that you have, you should eat a plant-based diet. I'm just like giving that as an example. example. It could be vice versa too. If you were (laughs) plant-based and you went back to something else, like your body has to start getting used to things and then it starts to detox. And then there are layers of healing. It's not just one thing. So that's what the seed cycling started to do for women is to start to reveal where other blockages were. Amazing. So I want to touch on two things. One, going back to your doctor, can you say her name again? Mm -hmm. Dr. Dawn, D-A-W-N, DeSylvia, that's D-E-S-Y-L-V-I-A. Okay. And she has a clinic called the Center for Whole Health in uh, West LA. Okay. And the reason that I wanted Lauren to repeat that is because it's pretty unusual to find a Western MD who's also a functional medicine doctor. And so if anybody out there who's listening to this and feels like they have maybe underlying conditions or something else, it's really 
I cannot emphasize enough to maybe reach out, find somebody who is similar to her and or see if maybe she'll do a phone consult if you're not in the LA area, because having that combination is pretty rare to find. And there you want somebody on your fertility team who's going to dig in with you and pull back the layers to see like, do you have gut issues? Is there something else happening? Like, because oftentimes the fertility if it's unexplained, especially it's just a symptom of something else that's really going on with your body. And so you want somebody who's willing to like do the long haul with you and figure out what that is. So thanks for repeating that. And then the second thing is the recipes for this, these yummy treats, are they still out there and can we still get our hands on those? Um, yes, I actually, I actually have it as a freebie when you sign up for my newsletter, but you don't, if you don't want to do that, I will just send you the document anyway, and you can have it for the show notes if you want. Okay, perfect. Where can they find the freebie at? That's at the momfeed.com, M-O-M, or the T-H-E, mom, M-O-M, feed, F-E-E-D.com. Okay, great. And then we'll also put it in the show notes too, for anybody who's listening as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that having something that we can, like you said, the grab and go, especially like batch on one day of the week, have it all made and know what you have. And we're always looking for something that whether they're fully doing the seed cycling or not, it's something healthy to have when you're trying to conceive, right? It's like healthy mm-hmm. fats and it's all of that good stuff. Um, so speaking of in your past life as a chef and being a mama, is there anything that you recommend as far as, or, or to avoid even as far as foods, when people are trying to conceive that you noticed, you know, going through it yourself and, and being in that world? Well, I, <laughs> So I grew up eating processed food, sugar, hot dogs, hamburgers, ketchup, pop yeah. I'm from Canada. So we say pop. Um, and all of that causes inflammation in the body. We know that and inflammation in the body disrupts everything from fertility and causes things like, well, everything you can imagine from diabetes to heart disease and all of those things. So I would just say, avoid you know, trans fats, avoid processed foods, really focus on whole foods, um, getting those into your diet, healthy fats. Um, one of the thing I actually recently learned this, and a lot of people don't know this extra virgin olive oil is wonderful for you. Olive oil too. If you cook with it at a temperature higher than 350, it turns toxic and it causes oxidative stress in your body. And I was listening to another functional medicine doctor from LA called Dr. Lakos. I forget his first name. And he was saying that in his practice, he has seen the number one cause of oxidative stress in his patients is from cooking at high temperatures with olive oil. So that could be one to look out for, because Mm -hmm. I mean, up until that time I was roasting everything in olive oil. Right. Right. And so there, I think that there are, what would you suggest the alternative for people to use avocado or coconut oil? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those are the two that I use. And so just like, think of things like that. Look at definitely also look at your, your beauty products and what, like, what are you cleaning your house with? What are you washing your face with? What are you washing your hair with? Make sure it's all natural. Make sure you can pronounce the ingredients um, because there's a lot of endocrine disruptors in those things too. 
and your food, make sure it's uh, like whole organic, um, lots of healthy fats, uh, good proteins, you know, just like the way that you would want to treat your body at any given time. Right. You know, and a quick question back to the seed cycling. Mm -hmm. If somebody is starting to do that, how, like, at what point would you know, okay, it's working or it's not working? Like, did they tell you an amount of time, like you've got to give it three months. You have to no. Okay. No, I mean, I would say, so for me, it started working in 10 days and the re- how I knew it was working was because my period regulated, my night sweats went away. I started sleeping. I mean, those three, those were the three huge things for me. So that's how I knew it was working. I'd say with anything, you need to give it three to six months at least to see if it's making a difference. And it might be Mm -hmm. subtle differences. Like recently I've been forcing myself to meditate for five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night. And I've been doing it for three months. It's very subtle, but I notice, Oh, I don't know. I would have lost my mind at that trigger. And I just didn't, I just handled that really well. Wow. And so I'm starting to notice subtleties. So I think it just depends on where you're at, but you have to pay attention, know what, what it is, like, what is the reason you're going on it? You know, are you, is it night sweats? Is it brain fog? Is it uh, managing symptoms of uh, pre-menopause and menopause? Like, what is it? And then you have to pay attention. And if you're really, truly not seeing anything happen within three to six months, well, it's food. And if you like it, keep doing it because it is it is um, helping you to produce more estrogen and progesterone when um, it's supposed to. So that's good. Also, another question I had, I did get from people is, does that mean I can't have those seeds, you know, during the cycle where I'm not supposed to? That's a great question. Yeah. And no, it doesn't, you can still eat the, the seeds, but just make sure that you're focusing on the estrogen dominant ones, the pumpkin, chia, flax during the full moon to the, no, sorry, the, the, the new moon to the full moon, and then the sesame sunflower for the progesterone producing ones from the full moon to the new moon or however you're doing your cycle. And that's regardless of where you are in your cycle, right? Yes. Again, because I'm saying that I'm ovulating on the new moon. Do I, I take those seeds regardless of whatever based on, is that right? That's a personal choice. So I did ask my friend that question too. Mm -hmm. And she's, she suggested that if you are trying to get pregnant, then yes, go according to the lunar cycle, try to get onto that schedule. If Mm -hmm. you're not trying to get pregnant Mm -hmm. or you're in perimenopause or menopause, then go according to how you're cycling right now. Okay. And for the record, I am not trying to get pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. So, but it's, yes, it's, and that's the thing where it's, it's not very well studied. There are a lot of things in women's health that are not very well studied, especially um, things like this that are very natural. So Mm. we're kind of all the experiment, you know, like if you try it, the great thing about it is that it's food-based and it's things that we're already consuming. It's just consuming it in a different and more thoughtful way. Um, so, yeah. And so if you are listening, if anybody listening is in menopause, then, then go with the lunar cycle because okay. you're not cycling anymore. 
Okay, perfect. And for thousands of years in many countries, they use food as medicine mm-hmm. anyway. And this is a perfect example of that, of kind of getting your body on track and, and using it as a quote unquote type of medicine to say like, here's what we want our body to do instead of going to some synthetic form of, of medication, which I think is amazing. And it's not going to hurt us, right? That's the benefit is it's not going to hurt to try. And especially if we have some great tips on recipes, it makes it even easier. I feel like, so Mm -hmm. I cannot wait to try this. Yay! Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about your podcast and what brought you to the mom feed and, and your transition from chef and all of that kind of stuff. Sure. So my podcast was born out of, uh, well, I read a book called in the flow by Elisa Viti. Incidentally, she actually even touches a little bit on seed cycling for a page and a half. Um, so check that out, not just for that, but also I feel like it should be required reading for every woman because she talks about how we all have a circadian rhythm, but women also have a second rhythm and it's called the infradian rhythm. And when we eat against our infradian rhythm, when we move and work out against our infradian rhythm, and when we work like our job against our infradian rhythm, we actually deplete ourselves of energy. It's fascinating. So if you're Can listening, you repeat the book again, Lauren. Yeah, it's called In the Flow, and Flow is spelled F L O, and okay. Elisa V T. I think it's A L I S A, and then her last name is V I T T I. Okay. the author. She is amazing. She wrote her first book was called woman, the woman's code, I believe. So, um, if you don't know the infradian rhythm, that's a whole other podcast. That is very important. Every woman needs to know what the infradian rhythm is, um, because it, it dominates and it has everything to do with our cycle. Um, so while reading that book, Elisa um, referred to a term coined by, I think it was Alexandra Sachs, who's, I think she's a reproductive psychologist called matricense. And matricense is the term that is being used to describe the hormonal shift from um, not being mom to being a mom. So from having a baby and that term matricense, when we go through that, we experience the most neurobiological chemistry changes than any other time in our lives, including our puberty and menopause to the point that when they see a scan of a woman who's not pregnant and the scan of a woman who just had a baby, they can see which one just had a baby because it changes our brain chemistry so much Mm -hmm. and it changes our hormones so much. And when I was reading that, I started crying because I thought I was going to be such a great mom and I was going to love it. And I was just going to have a little mini me and she's wear bows and she'd sleep great. And it would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. My daughter was colic. I didn't sleep for the first four months. I had no idea what I was doing. I was isolated. My, I lived in Malibu. My family's in Montreal. My husband's family's in New York. His parents aren't even alive anymore. Like I just, I had all of my friends lived in Santa Monica and Brentwood, which was already 45 minutes away, but as anybody knows with a child is like, it might as well be Montreal because a child who doesn't go in the car seat without screaming for more than 10 minutes of driving one of those two. Yeah, exactly. So because of that isolation and reading about this term, it just made me understand myself so much more Mm -hmm. because I felt alone. I felt angry. I felt resentful that 
I could no longer do the things that I used to be able to do. I felt resentful about the changes in my body. Um, I just, when people asked me, Oh, do you even remember life before Madison? And I just wanted to scream. Yes, I do. I really do. And I want it back, but I'm not allowed to tell you that. Mm -hmm. And so I felt really alone in those feelings. And then I had an undiagnosed case of diastasis recti that my midwives and OBs kept saying, Oh, whatever. You're a mom now. And I was like, well, I don't think it's really normal to be able to see my intestines moving around under my skin. Um, so finally I found a physical therapist, but between the feelings I was having and the lack of support around motherhood and new moms, mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to start a podcast to, to start that conversation, to give that support to moms that we really truly deserve and need to help them build the team that they need around them to navigate their way into motherhood and then to navigate the transitions that continuously come up, you know, our shifting identities and what are we doing and all of those things. I love that so much. I was just speaking with a client this morning about the fact that if you are especially going through any sort of struggles with fertility, you have an even greater sense of feeling like you're not allowed to say that it's hard or it sucks or you're struggling or whatever. And the reality is, is you have the permission from every mom out there to say it out loud that it is hard. It's not easy. And granted, there's some parents that have a really easy baby and that's amazing. I didn't have that. It doesn't sound like you had that with your daughter or maybe you did with your son. Um, but it's, it's not easy. And I remember somebody telling me initially that, you know, that's why that they use sleep deprivation as a form of torture in foreign countries, because you go into psychosis. And I literally remember telling my husband, I feel like I'm going insane. I need to sleep and I can't. And it was so frustrating and just having this space and having a podcast like yours to be able to give women the acknowledgement that this is a real thing, right? It's okay to feel this way. These are the different resources that can help you to get through this time is so important because I always say, because we, we know better, we can do better than the people that came before us. Right. And we have so many amazing resources and communities now that can help the other ones who are coming along, right. To say, this is what we went through. And these are the things that may help you in order to, for it not to be so hard on yourself um, and the process, right? So yeah, I think that's very cool. What do you think is the kind of the best advice that you've gotten through your experience, either personally or through your podcast that you would pass along to somebody who's expecting um, that is expecting their first baby? Um, I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday who's sister just had a baby and she doesn't have a baby yet. And, um, I gave her this advice because she said, I don't know how my husband's going to be. My sister's husband is very hands-on. And I just don't think my husband's going to be like that. I said, girlfriend, you need to have these conversations now. You need to set yourself up now, go to therapy with your husband. Now talk about who's going to do what, what is the division of labor going to be from who's going to take out the diapers to who's going to change the diapers to what's the feeding schedule going to be. Is it going to be you exclusively? Obviously you won't know until you get there, if you can breastfeed or not, or what, it, but as much as you can have those conversations 
before you even conceive, if you can, but especially while you're pregnant on what that's going to look like, where is your self-care going to come in? Um, who's going to be there to help you? Are you going to fly out a parent to help for the first three months? Are you going to hire a nanny? What is the plan? Who's going to help you? What's the food schedule going to be, especially for that first month? Are you going to freeze food? Are you going to get a meal train? All of these things you have to be thinking about if you want it to be smooth on the other side, because you are not going to be sleeping. You are going to be very hormonal and emotional, and that is normal. So do the legwork now, mm-hmm. um, be okay with asking for help because people want to help, especially those who have, who are moms who are not in that like very intense newborn phase anymore. Let them help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and normalize any of the feelings that come up after you have the baby and talk about them, find a therapist if you can, before you um, conceive that you really connect with so that you can have somebody to talk through things with you. Um, Cause whether you end up with a traumatic birth or not, you still need to process it because you're still pushing a human out of your body in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. So that's a big deal. And then I also, I wish that somebody had told me to get a pelvic floor or pelvic health physical therapist to work with me before pregnancy, during and after, because that would have just saved so So like, I don't, we don't know, like with my diastasis, my, my PT is amazing. Um, her name is Julie Weeb. She's fantastic. Um, she's like, I don't know what you're, what you were before pregnancy. So we don't know, like you might have had a one finger separation before pregnancy and we don't know. So I don't know what your normal is going to be. Can you tell people what that is who are listening that may not even know to be (laughs) Yes. Actually. And my friend yesterday said, what is that? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is okay. Don't even get me started. Mm -hmm. Um, so your pelvic floor is part of what makes up your core. It's like the girdle that holds everything in. It's where your vagina is. It's your pelvis, like all of those things. And it's like a saddle. And when you're pregnant, so there's so much pressure that pushes down on your pelvis. Um, and then of course out your core and everybody's muscles will um, separate. So a pelvic health physical therapist specializes in pelvic floor health. So it's not enough to just go see a regular physical therapist. I did that bless them. It did not work. They did not know what they were talking about. And so the pelvic health physical therapist will work with you through your pregnancy and after to help you figure out the breathing techniques for a proper distribution of intra abdominal pressure, um, like to help you understand how to breathe when you move, to help you understand how to move, um, so that you don't tear anything to help you breathe through, um, contractions to, to teach you how to push. If you are going to have a vaginal delivery to teach you what to do with the C-section, C-section. So they, they empower you to understand your body, but specifically your pelvic floor is taking a massive, massive beating when you're pregnant. And then when you push baby out and actually with proper breathing, you can even avoid tearing in a lot of cases. If you have a better understanding of your pelvic floor, nobody told me that I've got two, both times, second degree tears. And yeah, so I wish that I had had that. 
it's a lot easier to, you know, prevent rather than repair at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. I thank you for expanding on that for women that don't know, because if we don't know anyone who's gone through it, we're not aware of it. Right. And that's, again, the importance of having these conversations, I feel like is educating others that potentially are going through it so that they can get in front of it instead of having to deal with the pain and suffering literally that others can go through on the other side. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that as well as that advice is so, so great. So thank you for sharing that. I feel like so many moms are so concerned about their birth plan and their bag to the hospital or whatever they're doing when really like the, it's going to be just as much, if not more important on the, the outside, the backside, I should say of delivery and coming home and being home and the reality setting in. So please Mm -hmm. don't underestimate the, the value of being prepared for that because you will not regret over being prepared on the backside and, Mm -hmm. and having the expectation plan with your spouse is, you know, it'll save marriages in some cases, because at least, you know, everybody has a clear understanding of what the expectation is. And it can be very stressful. I was very stressful in our marriage because I, again, I wasn't sleeping. I needed sleep. I was working. Um, so was my husband and it, it's so stressful just for the, again, the plain fact of not sleeping, you know, I mean, that alone, um, causes tension, let alone, we had a baby that wasn't eating, you know? And so I was frustrated with that and he's trying to help, but he can't help. And so, you know, it's just a mess. So as long as you have those things kind of set up before it really helps the whole big picture in the end. So thank you for that. Yeah. I once had a parenting coach, a positive discipline parenting coach who was explaining how important for children it is to do charts. So like you work on the chart together and like, okay, we're going to brush our teeth. We're going to make our bed. And she said, the reason is because the chart is the authority instead of you. So that power struggle isn't there. It's like, oh, well the chart, right. The one that we made together. So I imagine it's similar with your spouse or your partner. We made this chart. So now instead of like rolling your eyes at each other. And, and right. Like, it's like, well, we agreed, so. right. Like we agreed, like we agreed on this. It's like vows in a way. So it almost 100%. takes that pressure off. I mean, look, it's, you're still going to have pressure having an, a new baby in the house or a child in the house. It does. It does a lot to your marriage and you can get ahead of it, but right. the chart, the chart can take off maybe some of the pressure. Yeah. And I will say even good marriages, like we had an amazing relationship going into it and we still do. But my point in saying that is like, it's not just people who are struggling in their marriage that have issues. It's people that have a, and maybe even more so sometimes because you feel like, gosh, we had this great life five minutes ago. And now we have this baby that, you know, is cramping our style, so to speak. And I know a lot of people bring in a child thinking that it will save the marriage. And I just want to say to that too, I haven't personally ever seen that that's the case. Um, and having a baby again, whether it's a, an amazing angelic baby or a highly spirited baby, like we had, <laughs> um, it's challenging in its own ways. Um, and that does put pressure on them. So back to Lauren's, um, point about having a therapist that you can call on or coach or whoever it is that you guys can resonate with, I think is really helpful to, to just have on hand. So you're not searching for that information when it's happening or trying to get recommendations in the midst of it all, because you want to try to 
eliminate any stress that you can when you're in it. So, yeah. Yeah. And like put together your care team, like a coach, a therapist, a physical therapist, Mm -hmm. a chef, you know, postpartum doula, birth doula, you know, think of all the scenarios and and put together your care team. Cause the one that, the one that we are sold is just your OBGYN or your midwife. And that's it. And that is just not, not enough, not enough. Yeah. Those days are, are far gone, right? Like, yeah. Just because you can do it and you can, because we can, doesn't mean you should. Right. You're going to deplete yourself in ways that you don't even realize. And it'll take a lot longer for you to recover emotionally, mentally, spiritually from the whole experience if you're trying to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the funds to do it, I tell my clients put literally save money every month that goes towards some of these things so that Mm -hmm. at the end of your 40 weeks or whatever, you at least have a little cushion um, Mm -hmm. to say, this is for my physical therapy or my mental therapy or my self-care or or whatever it is. So you don't feel like, oh my gosh, we don't have the money for it. Like plan for it because you will need it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so how can people find you and connect with you? So I'm very active on Instagram at it's at the mom feed podcast. And that's basically where I'm at. And then you can find our website is themomfeed.com and uh Yeah. And you can always email me. I'm very, I respond to all of my emails and all of my DMS. My email is Lauren at the momfeed.com. So if ever you have questions, if anybody has questions about seed cycling or anything we talked about today, email me, DM me. I'm like an open book. I just want to help. Amen to that. Me too. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we will connect again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for what you're doing. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Follow up on Instagram at the Pretty Little Tribe or at Elizabeth King underscore coaching for updates, resources, and a community to connect with. If you are looking for extra support and tools to guide you along your TTC and parenting journey, visit elizabethking.com. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast everywhere you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Visit elizabethking.com backslash pretty little tribe podcast for more information on how to enter any review counts. I just appreciate your honest feedback so I can provide you with the best support possible in your TTC and parenthood journey. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.